Hello and welcome back to Spotlight. At the, the movies! <laughs> the Star Trek podcast where we analyse the that Star Trek universe from a non-Trekkie perspective. And as Paul has just pointed out, this is another episode of Spotlight at the movies. The strain of the podcast where we talk about a movie involving a Star Trek alumni either behind or in front of the camera. Uh, this episode, it's in front of the camera. It's Leonard Nimoy starring in the 1978 remake of Invasion yes. of the Body Snatchers. Mm-hmm. Two-time Nimoy. Yeah, Two-time. Nimoy getting the and credit uh, in this one. For any listeners of the uh, Kermode podcast, you know, that's a big deal there of uh, agents kind of uh, negotiating to get the and credit so this is a big deal for Noi in this movie and of course right before he came back with motion picture so this is like right yeah longest he's been away from trek year before motion picture but before we get into it i'm joined as usual by my fellow co-host paul hello and matt (laughs) hello everyone it's Um, me not pod matt and we're also joined but no it is pod matt pod matt but not a pod. We're also joined by Chris Johnson from Easy Riders Raging Podcast, an amazing uh, podcast about, well, not just 70s cinema, but 60s cinema, 80s cinema, all of cinema. I describe it as a retro film podcast. Right. We did okay. a year on 60s and we're in the midst of a year or two years on 70s films amazing yeah and we have also guest starred we're not as hopefully these two episodes of our separate podcast should come around a similar time but we have all guested on Mm -hmm. Chris's podcast for Blue Collar Paul Schrader's directorial debut funnily enough also made in 1978 the same year as the film we're going to be discussing today so definitely head over to the Easy Riders Raging Podcast podcast feed on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts to listen to that as well. No, I mean, if you can think of a 70s film, chances are we've done it or we're about to do it. You know, Uh, we... 70s films are our bread and butter. Um... And we're covering one today on this podcast that we didn't do on my podcast. There you go. Every yeah. film made in the <laughs> 1970s is covered on the Easy Rise Range podcast, well, yeah, apart from official. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Well, it could be kind of those things, right? You know, where you know you do you're settling one film as the title thing, but I'm sure you kind of like spin off and kind of mention lots of other things. So you you know each one probably does get a mention. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. We we cover a lot of ground on Blue Collar. <laughs> we just you know amount of films that kind of connected tangentially to that which we recommended. So if you, oh yeah, I've, I've talked about all, all number of films. TV. Yeah. Uh, I'm not afraid to talk politics of mine. <laughs> yeah. And in terms We're of terrified. Uh, in terms yeah. of decades, like the seventies is pretty shit hot for great yeah. stuff Ooh. and a variety of stuff as well. Oh, it's a feast of riches. Yeah. It's yeah. an embarrassment. You you can't move for great films. Mm. Uh we'll, so we'll talk about you know the classics, we'll talk about like Taxi Driver, Star Wars or Jaws, but we'll also talk about smaller films, yeah. much like Blue Collar. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, do you do you have a personal favourite seventies film? <sighs> Uh, potentially the Godfather is yeah. is so pr- pretty good. Yeah, 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 pretty good. Just as off the top of my head, without thinking, but that that could be. But I really need to. There is a reason why it's a lot yes. of the yeah. list, isn't it? You know, no, but, not least IMDb's. I mean, there's great films of all shapes and sizes. So we'll talk about musicals. We'll talk about comedies. I even did an episode where I talked about John Waters films, which are mm. unlike yeah. anything else, really. Yeah, they are. I, I might like, have to look that one up because I'm interested in getting into those. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean, I, cry, I hadn't cry seen, baby. Yeah, I hadn't. I Pink hadn't, flamingos. I, is that 70s? Yeah, that, 
Yeah, that was yeah. one I covered sort of by myself, which I hadn't seen before, yeah. which was mm. eye-opening. Uh, <laughs> Slytherines <laughs> and things like that? Uh, I don't know what it is, but yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. Crybaby's good, and his original Hairspray is definitely... Mm, uh, no, I picked that one up, yeah. Like, Pink Flamingos, you had to watch on your own, because no one else would watch <laughs> uh, someone eating real shit, would you? I mean, I waited till the house was empty, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't, didn't watch it with your dinner, no. Yeah, I, no, I, I didn't do that. I mean, I thought it would reflect badly on me watching it. Yeah, well, the letter from AOL didn't do you any good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, like, I just really love films, so I talk about films of all, all kinds. I'll talk about Disney films, I'll talk about horror films you know it's all good yeah. I mean you also talked fantastic. about one of my favourite subjects Senia Spielbergo at length on a previous incarnation of your podcast yeah there's a podcast I have called The Spielberg Pod which is just about the canon of Steven Spielberg which we covered, covered from Jewel to The Posts or Red, no, Ready oh, Player so One are you still doing that podcast yeah, yeah, like it will come back when he makes a new film it's yeah, in resurrected. hiatus I still manage the feed you know mm-hmm. <laughs> when there's a new film it have comes to life have you done Ready Player One yet yep did that oh, okay. one so we it sort of periodically will come back to life I think the last episode we did on that was on uh, well we did an episode on the, uh, the Last Jedi which oh okay I thought no one's really talking about The Last Jedi why not <laughs> why not talk about that uncontroversial it would be a thing where you might have a bit of a wait and then suddenly you have to do two episodes I, at once I yes. you wouldn't do <laughs> Revenge of the Sith seeing as he directed some of it uh, it's more getting people to talk about the prequels because I yeah. I was talking to my friends I really wanted to do an episode where we talked about The Phantom Menace because I think it's better than Solo and I think there is merit in there but no one really wants to talk about it but yeah we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Star Wars films we'll talk about Spielberg films when there are some uh, we talked about The Avengers last year um we, 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 that's more of the home for the big films the big current films yeah so it's keeping it alive keeping it, keeping yeah, yeah. it going keeping well, it real. oh we did an episode where we ranked his films top to bottom oh that's fun I think yeah. you could pick any blockbuster and say well this is this is Spielberg related because it wouldn't be here mm-hmm. unless Jaws happened so like just for example on that like what would you say is your favourite Spielberg film just oh, ever dark. Jaws for me um, I, yeah I would say it flips between Raiders E.T. and Schindler's List for me, I'd mm. say. Yeah. I'd say, I would say is, is his best three. film, but for my heart, it's the is Raiders. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think, think like, those are my top three. I think like top three is like Jaws, Raiders, and Jurassic Park flipping about. Um, yeah. For me, it's Raiders, Jaws, ET uh-huh. with Close Encounters. For just oh, yes. oh yeah, I know. Yeah. You love it. You know, I don't like Close Encounters. <laughs> but, uh, Philistine. But, <laughs> <laughs> but on the subject of Raiders of the Lost Ark, of course, script written by none other than. Philip Kaufman, the Way. director of Invasion of the Body yes, Spots in 1978. Oh, is it? Is that right? Yeah, story by. He did the story by of Raiders. Wrote the screenplay. Right. But oh, before we get in, we have to say, uh, Chris, Star Trek credentials. Oh, How, yes. what have you seen? How much do you like know? Like Lieutenant Worf? No, no. Um, <laughs> That's more than Matt. Rank. Give us your rank. This is a thing we do with all our guests, where we ask them their Star Trek credentials. So basically, what have you seen, and like, you know, what's, what's your, your history of the with, brand? with the franchise? I've watched a smattering of episodes throughout most of the series. Um, probably one I've seen most of was Voyager, because it always seemed to be on when I was okay. in my late teens. Uh, my brother and my dad are real big Star Trek fans, so it would often be on in the house. But I've never. I've never gone full. So it's an actual rebellion for you to. Not, not really. It was never. It was never. Uh, yeah, Dan, I'm not doing that. <laughs> uh, I've, I've watched a handful of the films. I've seen all the more recent films. Um, yeah, I probably saw all the films from Generation onwards. 
Generations okay. onwards. Generations, yeah. And I've seen the first one. We did the first film on our podcast because it was a 70s yes. film. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. You got motion. So if you want an alternative take motion on motion sickness. picture <laughs> from uh, our episode, uh, head over to Easy Riders Raging Podcast <laughs> to have a listen to that. But yeah, the, the, the show is always one I've watched casually, but I've never... It's never really been my bag. Yeah. Are you up on Star Trek Discovery or the new stuff? I watched the first... It's like Doctor Who. I watched the first couple to get mm. get a taste, but it's not my. It's your war cooler. It's your it's your um you know what do they call it the Zeitgeist tape. <laughs> you just need to know what they're talking about. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want yeah, to I saw that. get get a sense. <laughs> like I remember watching the first few of the uh, Scott Bakula right? one just to see what see what see what yeah. it's all about. That's it. You've got um, your, your bit of cling on in your back pocket just to whip out at weddings. Voyager, I've seen quite a few. I think that's the one oh, I know okay. the best. Mm. And I'm a, I I can carry. Do a you con- think Janeway made the right choice about two Vicks? <laughs> That's the important question when it comes to Voyager. Congress. I'll say yes. Because you want to be decisive <laughs> oh, in today's day and age. Boy. Oh man. I tell you what, when the nerds listen to this, they're gonna go fucking nuts, Chris. So watch out. <laughs> yeah, like I I think I'm more it's 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 a it's a it's all because you always compare it to Star Wars, it's a good point of comparison. And they're very different takes on space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I went one way and yeah. some people went the other way. I mean, some people went both ways. Well, basically, they're by Trek. <laughs> yeah, there's not a third version of space I'll accept. Uh, <laughs> so, you Star, have, get out of here. You can have both. You can have both. Yeah, yeah. this is true. What we found is we can live with Star Wars and Star Trek in your life. There is room yes. for both. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's I not mean, the console wars. Come on, people. It <laughs> always used to be the joke, I think, of our podcast that we always say, like, we prefer Star Wars but I think now well, we're like we can't yeah, get for episode without mentioning it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we can live with both there you go. But, but but Star Trek is kind of like the intelligent sci-fi series yeah. whereas Star At Wars times. is all about just fun and heart mm. and yeah. so that that's kind of the, 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 the nitty gritty of sort of how they solve their problems in space yeah. well it should I think be it's not really my thing yeah, I think it's, it's, I think there was a quote I said in our very first episode which was from I believe film crit Hulk the journalist and critic who said Star Trek's all about following your head and Star, uh, Star Wars is following your heart they're the two differences it's like head and heart so they can coexist yeah I mean you know Star Wars should all be about heart and fun but then Phantom Menace is about taxes so <laughs> yeah, like, I say it deliberately because but Chris you... about nothing like Solo yeah, yeah oh, like, <laughs> shots fired I mean, I mean I'd agree with that to be honest <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm no Solo fan yeah. and I want that to be on record so no oh. I, I think I think that was the weakest I've seen any any Star Wars film the Agreed. bottom bottom of the pot Agreed Yeah I, I don't know I just feel like It's just such a nothing film Weaker than Phantom Menace Yeah Weaker than <sighs> clones Do you want to get on mics Yeah yeah well, well like Lots of people like it And that's fair enough There's no like The older you get The more I think There's not wrong answers Whereas you're younger You go like You're yeah. wrong This film rules <laughs> You know That was the 90s That was, that was the impression yeah. But And it's spelled with a Z At the end Yeah <laughs> but, now, but now when you think of it You're like If somebody likes something You don't I'm very cool with that I just said fine the, uh, yeah. There's a really fun podcast The Weekly Planet pod And they kind of catch up on film TV oh, yeah. comics news and they did a kind of awards giving end of year episode and they bring out a bunch of fun awards and I think one of the ones they do is that was a movie award and that went to Solo it's uh, like yeah, it's, 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 no it's the ultimate it. yeah. it's a movie I guess <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it was it was a tick list yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they so finished right. ticking what they needed to tick and 
thin. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely fine. It's not a bad film at all. It's, I, it's absolutely fine, but it's not. Know, yeah. I was excited that when Ron Howard was announced, now I'm wishing like those Lego boys had finished it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I remember <laughs> when, when that announcement was made, you were the person like Lego. defending, I think this is right. Keep the stars well, I, I as alive. I like, you know, uh, Da Vinci Co. 3 Ron Howard. <laughs> I thought I was getting Willow Ron Howard. and uh, Or at least Backdraft Ron Howard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we've got some kind of draft. <laughs> Right. Okay. Shall we talk Invasion yes. of the Boys Fashions? 1978. Um, another adaptation of uh, the novel um, that originally uh, came out with. Um, it, well, it was originally, I think, as a serial, like maybe in like a magazine or something like that, and then mm. compiles a novel. They did a version in 1956, uh, which I've seen as well, directed by Don Siegel, uh, director of Dirty Harry and Cameo's such. in this. Uh, which is, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the uh, original film uh, from 1956. It's really good fun um, in that kind of like 50s black and white, kind of straight to the point. Is it way. like Red Menace movie, right? sort of thing? Well, yeah, there, there's certain. It's certainly got kind of uh, a McCarthyism paranoia to it. Yeah, communism um, is the the key metaphor in the image. Yes, yeah, yeah, and it's a, it's a lot of fun. Um, there's <laughs> definitely the characters uh, reacting way too nonchalant a manner <laughs> to the fact really? that they find <laughs> out really? that they're being replicated as other people. I mean, there's there's a scene when they first find. One of the pod people, where it's like basically invasion of the body snatchers, is that gradually these aliens are making a replica version of all the different people in this town. And at a certain point, if you go to sleep, your memories and everything will transfer to this new pod replica version of you, and then you'll die and they'll take over. Um, and they find one of these probably who's gradually evolving into uh, a replica of one of them and they seem so chilled out about it like there's a guy smoking a pipe offering round drinks and they're just like whatever I mean let's 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 just wait until we find out what's going on here and then call the police Mm. (laughs) don't don't worry about it but in 1978 we have the first of what would become many remakes yeah because is there one in the 90s there's one in the 90s 90s directed by Abel Ferrara in the 2000s and then it's called Body Snatchers. It's called Body Snatchers. And then there's another one in 2007 called The Invasion, uh, directed by Oliver Hirschkabel, uh, the director. What was the surname again? Uh, her, uh, well, I do not know if I'm pronouncing <laughs> it correctly. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just um, And uh, it's directed by him, who's the director of uh, Downfall, the uh, Hitler. Oh. Uh, We've drama. all seen that meme. Well, yeah, yeah, you would have seen that in lots of supercuts, like about uh, with redubbed about Brexit yep. and stuff like that. <laughs> Uh, but this, in 1978, was the first remake of it, directed by Philip Kaufman, who we were talking about, uh, wrote the original story for Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, he directed the right point. stuff as well, which I've never seen, but is very well talked about. Yeah, that is yeah. very highly regarded. Have you seen the right yeah, stuff? Yeah, I, I own it. It's fantastic. Yeah. And he also... So you've got the right stuff. I have. Yeah. <laughs> Certifiably. I mean, it's, it's got, well, if you've got a film where you have Jeff Goldblum and uh, who's the voice of Mr. Burns? Um, oh, Harry, Harry Shearer. Harry Shearer. Basically, as, Harry Shearer. as a double act government agents trying to recruit pilots who, who appeared throughout the film. I mean, you can't beat that, can you? Uh, he also directed The Wanderers, uh, which is a bit of a cult uh, classic as well. Uh, and 
he also directed the unbearable lightness of being for some reason in uh, our crossover episode on Easy Riders I ended up saying that you tried Paul to Schrader directed to that him. film yeah. uh, but you've seen this I'm yeah well I, I, I bought the mat once I don't yeah. watched it yes it's very good yeah uh, Daniel Day-Lewis it's from a great novel um, that unbearable lightness of being so it's an adaptation um, with Daniel Day-Lewis so yeah Juliette Binoche young mm-hmm, Juliette Binoche mm-hmm. in that as well yeah it's well worth looking at I mean he was kind of known as like um, you're making films for adult audiences um, sort of the sort of adult crowd yeah it wouldn't, yeah it, it, it right stuff is you know right intellectual yeah, yeah. kind of like look back at the, the mercury seven the original seven astronauts like selected for the um the space program and it's it's like almost a three hour kind of like epic about that it's, and it's some amazing performances in that you've got Who's sam, in that one? sam shepherd yeah uh scott glenn mm-hmm. uh ed harris mm. jeff goldblum harry shearer as we mentioned like a young ed harris i presume yeah i think he has some hair left <laughs> um god who else is in there it, it's there's a basically a lot of who's who that Dennis yeah. Quaid 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 and um, yes yeah, it's it's, um, it's terrific and uh, I think it, it was going to do really well at the Oscars but I think it got beaten by um, what was 83's winner it could be number day but <sighs> like Out of Africa or something like no, that no that was later no. but um, 83 83 would have been on the list in 83 on Oscar night Return of the Jedi would be clearing up special <laughs> effects awards. Yeah, and special but, achievement. Operation uh, Condor? I don't know. No. No, so it's the year after Gandhi beat AT, and it's before Armadeus won everything. That's right. So what's 83? Oh, Terms of Endearment. Yeah. Is that 83? 83. Oh, okay. So Jack Nicholson, as also as an astronaut... Uh, beat <laughs> right stuff. Have you seen that? Yes. Is it good? Yes. Worthy of best picture? Uh... I don't know. It depends what you look for in a best picture. Like it's, it's. I mean, not that best picture at the Oscars dictates. Necessarily I would say there's there's film, there's I mean, worse yeah. best pictures out there. God, yeah. Chicago. It's, that's like yeah. That's 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 not that's not awful film, but it's like not best <laughs> no, picture. No, it's, it's not, not best picture it's material. Not, it's not best fucking picture. Yeah, and I'd say Terms of Endearment like is you know kind Beautiful of. Beautiful. But Terms of Endearment was made now. It would be like Crash. That, was, that was a nice kind of. It would make Crash. It would make top ten list maybe at number nine or eight you know that kind of thing yeah, but yeah. um it you know to be the best thing in a year it's like mm. oh, it's a Slim, shame. slimmer pickings it's funny then, when I guess. you said he's known for making adult films i immediately thought of the only kaufman film i've seen apart from this which is quills oh yes yeah <laughs> which is a whoo- very adult oh, yes. that's <laughs> certainly adult. so that's the jeffrey rush uh kate winston yeah Yo, 2000 Marquis Des- uh, sexiest in that yeah, yeah marky Desard like oh, film um man. which is also very good yeah yeah it is definitely um, it's funny with, with this film I one thing I kind of noted is that it's it's like the sci-fi a star is born in that it gets remade every like 20 or so years uh, yeah. and they're all well the first two are well regarded the latter two perhaps not definitely not the invasion but it's, it's it seems to be a good story to bring back into the public consciousness every now and then and, and recontextualize it of what's going on yeah. but it gets remade yeah. as well without being a remake like the, yeah. the faculty is basically a remake of this as Set is the, school, uh, yeah. the world's that's end that's true yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. they're yeah. both Extensively versions of this. Mm. World's End has definitely got the kind of screaming faces mm. thing, hasn't mm. it? Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. all about the replacing of people to make sort of better, more productive, practical versions. It's all for our benefit, but are yeah. we going to fight back or not? Yeah, that's very true. Well, the World's End's all about Brexit. <laughs> Have you, do you know that? I mean, it wasn't about it, but if you watch it, it appears to be foretelling Brexit. Yeah, actually, now you say it. Well, because the whole thing, right. they basically, the, the whole idea, isn't it? They tell the kind of more, the intellectual people to fuck off at the end. Yeah, they rebel at the 
cost of their own land. Yeah, yeah, But, but, yeah, but this yeah. isn't a political it podcast. Ends in, it, <laughs> ends in, it ends in apocalypse, doesn't it? Yeah. So they basically oh. make the wrong decision, essentially. Like, yeah, I mean, God, is there I any right or wrong? That. I don't know. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but some people could guess there was a right and wrong. <laughs> yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe. I'm, I'm as neutral as So what you're saying anyone. is it's all Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg's fault. <laughs> they, yeah. They've got a lot to answer for. It's official. And along with the Star is Born stuff, like this is one of the remakes that is most well regarded yeah yeah there's a, there a few yeah. in this period so this and john carpenter's the thing yeah both remakes of 50 mm. sci-fi kind of b-movies i mean this and the thing have a lot in common yeah yeah, 100%, yeah. yeah. and i do think the thing does the idea better uh, yeah oh yeah, yeah, yeah i agree but more like yeah. this does the kind of alien thing it's so much more complicated than the thing because like the way they create the duplicates mm. and then kill off the original it is a lot more simple just to have the people taken over by aliens yeah, yeah. I, I agree I think that's the thing that's what, I, what like, slows my kind of enjoyment down of this is almost like losing myself and kind of like trying to work the process yeah you need to out. like yes. a pen and paper to do the maths and what's yeah I don't on. quite work it out and yeah. right until near the end because yeah, I yeah. always always like what happens to the original people when the new ones pop up are they just disappearing yeah. and then you Whereas find out well yeah very early on you kind of get what's going on with those thing uh, in <laughs> the thing the, you know? the dump mm. trucks of the uh, hair and stuff and it's that's coming off the new pod bodies. yeah which is just like insulation yeah yeah yeah. I mean I don't think I truly realise what was actually happening until I had to explain it myself at the beginning of this podcast in the sense of yeah and that's that's the same for the 1956 one it's not a case of this one fudges it I I just think the the, complicated process the the process is extremely complicated like you go like what I I feel like they needed to simplify it they're bringing pods out and then the pods grab people, get the DNA, rub it. But like, it's a, so, it's a whole thing. Just jumping, let's just jump straight to that because I want to get to the bottom. Okay. They come from a dying world. They drift through the universe, pushed on by the solar winds. They adapt and they survive. The function of all life is survival. Sleep. 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 From deep space, the seed is planted. Terror grows. Matthew! Matthew! Wake the others! Elizabeth, wake up! Get you when you sleep! Sit up! Invasion of the body snatchers. Aliens come to Earth, they put a plant on Earth, right? Yeah. The plant creates a duplicate. Chubby rain. The, uh, chubby rain. <laughs> the plant creates a duplicate, a mossy duplicate of the person. Mm. And at a certain point, once they're activated, the original person crumbles and dies. If but they fall what, asleep. But yeah, because yeah, at, at what point that can be stopped is a bit shady. Because there's multiple times when yeah. Sutherland nearly gets got to yeah. the point where his replicas nearly finish. And well, his, re- his replicas can be finished, I think. But he fell. As, he didn't fall asleep, before, fall asleep before he killed it. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. There's a gold, full goblin like isn't there being made, and he wakes him up. But it's like, but then there's occasions where he's like slipping back. So if he kind of falls asleep there, it will still transfer. Right. So really, you just got to mess up your double before you kind of yeah before you take a nap yeah take a nap yeah and then there's nothing to transfer to. So you think that's thing that there's a hint of the thing, but there's well, also a hint of well, Nightmare on Elm Street. There's because, but don't fall asleep. Yeah. Because yeah. you know, in a in a pretty good bit of violence, Sutherland like oh, wakes up next to his double which is almost there he crushes his head, his head in and he's the one that says you know pretty much to the end um, so you know that kind of he buys himself some time by messing up his body whereas Golem isn't so lucky no I mean that yeah the ending is kind of very much kind of last minute 
twist that potentially doesn't make yeah. any real sense, but, doesn't it? Well, but it's but like, the ending is the most memorable bit of the whole oh, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, well, yeah. Let's get back to the ending towards the end because I do yeah. want to talk about it. But going to the start, yes. I was very taken by the very Trek-like opening credits. Yeah, I agree. Right? The opening visuals are like really, really I was like, interesting. This is a Trek original series like Planetscape. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I really well, like it. As I said, I think it looks like Barbarella. Okay, Barbarella. <laughs> oh, it looks better than Barbarella because yeah, yeah, that was, was made really for nice. two, half, two and a half quid. Well, a, the practical a, a effects. Trumbull film. Like, yeah, yeah, the practical effects of the thing getting on the leaves and expanding out. Yeah. I was like, okay, oh, that looked great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't work that out. Yeah, it's really, really. I I say in my notes, it looks like a David Attenborough documentary on Alien Life. Yeah, mm. <laughs> like yeah, that it holds up. My new shy, like well, um, Attenborough the, in the Limo role would have worked. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, what, what do we think of Sutherland as the lead here? Because I, I think it's a great idea to have a health inspector as the lead character in the film about a it's, virus takeover. It's an unusual like lead to have as a health inspector. Mm. Yeah, it's unusual. He's not exactly like. Yeah. a hero job you know it's different yeah I liked him like you it know ties in finding the rat droppings in the, uh, in, the <laughs> in the restaurant it's a great introduction to the character um, so yeah he, I, I liked it I also liked a, you know he, he's um, there's the kind of romance I suppose he has with a woman who's married to, to um, so the love interest in this is yeah. she's actually a married woman to a guy who's replaced quite early on and is and is concerned that he's acting differently yes but you know she comes over to his for dinner and it's you very, know it's, in this budding romance he doesn't listen to her talking at all it just, just chops really badly uh, this food he's cooking up for her like because I think the in- in- insinuation is that he's a really good cook but like he's cutting those things the, their big. flirtations I found really <laughs> believable even though it's an odd pairing and he's like at least 14, 15 years older the, the care that's taken into their kind of like semi-forbidden like friendship and flirtation going on, I was really bought into well he has got a bit of magnetism to him yeah you know he's yeah, he's got a presence got yeah. we've he's... all seen him fucking don't look now <laughs> we know what he's capable of yeah um, and, and and Brooke Adams has leaned over here the whole film I was thinking she must be the sister Marco Kidder of no oh. Sally Fields and uh, and Parker Posey were the two actresses. I was like, she looks oh, exactly. Yeah. She, like she reminded me of the lead from Suspiria as well. Yes, yeah. and, and her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just know from Days of Heaven, and I'm like, that's I don't know from. That's it. So yeah, what else has she been in? I'm not kind of like Days apart, of Heaven. Apart from <laughs> anything else, I can't think of anything. She's in the Dead Zone as well. Um, oh, that's yeah. excellent. Okay. Yeah, no, I like that movie. Like, but I, I was looking at because I was like, do I know this person? Is it a young Sally Field or a young <laughs> sister of her? No, that's Smoking the Bandit. Okay, like, which I was watching literally last night. <laughs> oh really? I've, oh, I'm okay. halfway through it as we as we. Burt Reynolds tribute. <laughs> well, I was just I've <laughs> never I've never seen it, and I'm I do a 70s podcast. I should yeah, have seen. No, mm, yeah, watched it, I watched it all that first time, not like two months ago, and uh, yeah, it was good. I it. So yeah, I'm halfway through. So, still don't know where it's going. Yeah. So it's I, take I, a dramatic <laughs> twist, but probably not. <laughs> probably so, not. I really love the build up in the first act of this of how creepy it's almost like like the way stuff happens in the background in Shaun of the Dead and stuff where it's just increasingly creepy stuff going on there's a bit I don't know if you noticed when I think it's Sutherland walking through the corridors of a, of the lab and the camera just goes past a glass door and there's just some guy behind the glass up against it watching them and it's just stuff like that in the background of people who are obviously being changed at this point mm. and you start to notice them it's, talking, it's quite it follows you it's like ugh. <laughs> talking about background did we all notice the Robert Duval cameo yeah yeah Robert I du- didn't, but I read it on the Wikipedia yeah, page. Yeah, Robert Duval as a priest there, right? on a swing set. Like, yeah, he's just on a swing set randomly. But he was just like, point. on. he was in San Francisco the day they were filming. I was like, hello. 
Yeah, 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 I'll step yeah, yeah. In. I think it's just random that he's like. I mean, well, not in the sense. I, I of, hope he bought his own costume. That would have been hilarious. Yeah, he's <laughs> just walking around as a priest. in the background, but they did. Yeah, I think he was just around. Deval, what are you doing? Just, get just getting in character for like a priest role. It, well, what films it? There's no film. <laughs> I mean, it's funny that you talk film? about seeing kind of like the sinister beginnings of seeing yeah. people who have turned um, before it really gets into it because. Having seen the 1956 film, uh, uh, the rest of you seen it? No. Like, okay, in the 1956 film, I actually think it's funnily done, uh, done a lot more subtly in terms of the people who have changed, kind of seem kind of very stepward, step of wife. Oh, I can't speak. Stepford. Yeah, that's there. We go. Yeah. That's how you say words. <laughs> um, it, they they seem like that perfect cookie cutter kind of versions of people. Whereas here, one of the first people we see is the uh, Chinese woman, the laundry. Yes. Uh, where the guy's saying, "That's not my wife." And she seems like a sinister version of someone. She's like starts backing than, out slowly about breaking eye contact. Yeah, rather than a perfect version. And I thought that was interesting that they were going for a slightly different. Yeah. Well, uh, almost anyone who gets turned into a pod person, it's they either are or they aren't. Apart from uh, for a while, you sort of have a cloud over a few, a couple of characters. But usually, it's yeah. clear if yes. they've been replaced. Yes, yes. Yeah, I think yeah. that's one of the, the, the interesting things about this film is that you not. I, I don't know which point Leonard Nimoy's taken over. No, I spent yeah. the whole film thinking, is he or isn't he, the entire time? Well, no, yeah, I, I think when we met it, I think when we no. first meet him, he might be. Yeah, no, I but, think so, no, maybe no, as well. No, I, what I would say is like that bit where he throws Goblin up against the wall yeah. and shouts isn't something the pod person would have been capable of. Well, he, right. throughout, he shows a bit more emotion than all the pod people. Yeah. Yeah, but, but don't you, when, don't you when agree? Actually, no, but when he kind of actually talks about that, actually tells the story of where they're from. Oh yeah, he gets thing. proper like monologuing. He's, yeah, it's that, and he's very one, one note. That at that point, there's no raising his voice. At that point, he's very matter of fact about stuff. What is this supposed to do? Just a mild sedative to help you sleep. I hate you. We don't hate you. There's no need for hate now or love. That he wasn't like that when you first met him. He was a lot more kind of um, theatrical. He also tells the director, "Stop talking. I'm trying to do this." Like um, because he's he's in a, a book signing, isn't he? Mm. And he's trying to talk to somebody about their problems. And Brooke Adams is who's the female lead in this, trying to interrupt him. He's like being very kind of forced with her. I don't think the pod person would have done that. Mm. It would have been. I think it happens after that point, but it's interesting because it, it's hard to say, isn't it? Yeah. Because also in that scene, he's very much he's playing down her worries about but that's what he would have done as a character anyway that's yeah. why it works it's like well, you don't yeah, know where exactly. he's segued into kind of like pod person because he's a psychologist isn't he yeah like, and he will look but he's like rational. a celebrity shrink Cele yeah celebrity, celebrity shrink, shrink. Yeah, yeah. 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 Dr. Like, um, Dr. Phil yeah that works <laughs> yeah and he's he's really interesting this film very different uh, Philip Kaufman actually said um, of casting Nimoy it, Leonard had got typecast and this film was an attempt to break him out of that I, I see that completely because instantly he's so much more full of life than uh, Spock is kind yeah. of thing you know obviously is the role he's most famous for but, it, but it, then it plays to his yeah, ultimate strength of being completely monotone yes. like, you know, motionless yeah. when he delivers the kind of like thing he's, he's drugging them up um, so the final the, one of the, the scenes towards the end where um, he's captured both of them and he's revealed that as he's um, you know a pod person uh, and Don Sutherland is, and his um, girlfriend are ca captured you know he's about to like inject them but he tells the story of like where they've come from and what they what they move from planet to planet and that is delivered in a very Spock like manner um, in my opinion so I think it is like you know he's cast that with that bit in mind but he also allowed Leonard to really you know be free of his yeah. Spock persona in that book sign because I, I don't think that was 
anything like we've seen. And I and I imagine at the time, audiences would probably you trust him from, through being Spock. That's what I felt the first time I watched it because I, you know, when you don't I know that's going to happen, I was like, way. you know, when you go to him, go to Spock for help, he's usually the one that comes up with a solution. Yeah. And so when you and go, it it's like, like I've got a friend that. who's like a psychologist, and she's like, I don't want to talk to him. It's like, no, talk to him. He's, he's really good. You do believe, like, yeah, you want Don Sutherland to be right about this. Um, and so on a rewatch, you really sympathise with Brooke Smith, the lead actress, who is like exasperated by like trying to get him to listen, listen to her. And you're much more on her side because because she's the first to kind of twig what's going on. Mm. Really, yeah. Oh, Brooke Adams. Brooke Adams. Brooke yeah. Adams, yeah. Elizabeth. Elizabeth, yes. Elizabeth. What did we think of the score in this film? Uh, it's just, I, uh, what blew my mind is this that composer only made, wrote this one score. Yeah, only one score. And that blinds my mind. Because how could you ever just do one? This yeah. is uh, Denny. Get that job? To be fair, we haven't done any, so. <laughs> yeah. This is Denny Zietlin, um, who said he was so worn out from creating this score, he would never do another. And I think it's a great shame because I think this is insanely original mm. score. It's, it's like really the composer impressive. version of uh, What's His Face, who directed Night of the Hunter. Oh, yes. Robert, uh, uh, Charles Lawson. Charles yes. Lawson, yeah. One and done. Like, yeah, I think it's a really impressive piece of work. Kind of almost feels like a kind of uh, precursor to things like Johnny Greenwood's scores in a way yeah because you've got like films not too long before this like Logan's Run which was Jerry Goldsmith who would, who would still do timeless symphonic work in that film but then there would be the occasional thing that absolutely betrays its age where he would experiment with electronics and they bring it straight back to 1976 and I feel like this could have easily been you know grounded in that era by you know the electronic work but this this kind of really bleeds into Ben Burt's sound design really nicely mm, mm. and it complements it so well that it doesn't feel like a se- you know 270s or you know two, mm. uh, you know like that um so yeah just a little shout out to ben burt like obviously the, the um oscar-winning sound designer for star wars um you know worked on this film probably because he works in the bay area <laughs> you know i don't have to move home I'm don't have to move home and um you know it does amazing work with this as well i think you're completely right i think that the score and the sound design blend or possibly more seamlessly than like a film I can remember seeing in quite a long time. Yeah. Can anyone explain how Mr. Jeff Goldblum can go from this gawky-looking twenty-something to like a complete sugar daddy that he is today? <laughs> well, I think he looks the same, but I think that I think he hasn't got that Goldblum persona yet. No, he's right, just a normal actor. No, I, I would say he's he's Goldblum esque in this. Really? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I was what thinking about think, I was thinking about Goldblum is uh, old Glo- old Goldblum isn't Goldblum enough for us? Yeah. Yes. But yeah, modern yeah. Goldblum is too Goldblum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jurassic Park is the perfect uh, balance. Peak Goldblum. Yeah. You mean before before he plays? Before he realised. Yeah. Before people start. We realised. Before people start celebrating how weird he can be. Yeah, but and now he. Oh, oh, when that Lost World oh, though, because oh, like he dials it back. In that, doesn't he? Ooh. But in that, well, I don't know. Yeah. He does have in that he has the moment that he's like running, there's running and screaming, and but but for the most part, he's like quite. He's having to hold, yeah, because he's the lead. But that's one of the rare because yeah. he's he's not typically a lead actor. Yeah, he's 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 come in and be support and steal the film. Mm. Yeah, mm. and so they were like, well, you're the lead. He's like, but but yeah, you know, that's that's not necessarily mm. his. And I guess when he's in the fly, that is pre peak. Mm. Yes, him. So he. So he, he, I forgot my mind. You kind of expect to, him to be a bit quirkier in this. 
Yes. Yes, you do. You, you see flashes of it, especially because he's like a pretentious writer. Yeah. Yeah. But he doesn't really get a chance to do anything. No. Well, because he's not a big he's not a big name at this no. point, is he? I mean, what really weirded me out? They didn't is know what he's, they had. Did they? Uh, yeah, a fully grown adult man in 1978. Like, and yet it's still it's hard to. I'm like, how old is Goldblum? Like, uh, like you know, he he looks. Like he looks like an adult here. Yeah. He doesn't look really young or anything. Well, he was um, something like 26, 27 in this, I think. Jesus. I mean, it's just weird. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy. He's definitely got a bit mm-hmm. of a uh, fountain of youth going on. The odd thing is, the first, I still haven't done it on the podcast, but I watched it and made notes. I was watching Death Wish, which right, is his yeah. first film. Yes. Oh, yes. He's when one he, of the rapists in Death Yeah, Wish, but when he arrives on screen, he's full Goldblum. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, so it's weird he came on screen almost fully formed as this kind of outlandish actor <laughs> yeah. but conversely I watched recently uh, Nashville he doesn't yeah. get a line in it he's basically a glorified extra yeah he, he spoke, supposedly he links together things but he just shows up says nothing he has leaves. a big ass hat and yeah just and, a bi- and a big bike yeah <laughs> big bike yeah um, I, was wait, I was waiting three hours for him to say something yeah, yeah. never fucking does <laughs> well it made me think is the first film where Goldblum goes full Goldblum Buckaroo Banzai because we watched that and yeah. he's very gold bloom in that but film. he's still a small part in that in a big yeah. cast but again it's like it, it seems like directors I think the film is going full gold yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's the whole film is full gold <laughs> well, yeah I think Kaufman like misses a trick because you know I think Altman saw something in that this guy who's like so got this goofy kind of charisma like you know I'm going to tap into he's going to be I don't even need to give him a line people are going to be magnetised yeah he's and, got and, presence presence yeah. and, and also the director of Buckaroo Banzai may he rest in peace wherever his name is I can't remember. No, I don't know who he is. Uh, but yeah. may, may you rest in peace anyway. I have betrayed you. Yeah, but, but he, you know, Goldblum, like, is in, almost like in a different film, which is already on a different planet. So yeah. it's kind of like he's, like, on Goldblum world, but he's actually the most successful person in it because he's looking at what's going on, going, <laughs> yeah. just sort of rolling, almost looking at the camera almost. Uh, just wearing my cowboy chaps and uh, get away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, definitely. He is my favourite thing about yeah. Buckaroo Bandit. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, Talking about the uh, original movie yeah. earlier, um, did you know that the original lead of the 1956 version appears? The in guy who runs up to the car, right? Yeah, there's a very disturbing and effective scene, actually, where mm. um, Donald Sutherland and the... Uh, who's the female lead? Brooke, yeah, Brooke Adams, Adams. Yeah, yeah, are in the car, and suddenly a man leaps on the bonnet... Um, pounding on the uh, windscreen going they're coming they're coming which is Kevin McCarthy who's the lead in the original film which has led some people to believe that this is actually a sequel <laughs> to the original film and actually this guy just ever since has been running around like crazy like, <laughs> back. Um, which doesn't really quite fit because spoiler for the first film uh, at the end of the first movie originally it was meant to be the he isn't able to he gets away from the pod people but he isn't able to convince anyone that this is real because they've just taken over this small town so no one believes him and that was meant to be the end then the studio imposed this anywhere suddenly someone else happens to come past at that point uh, going saying the same thing that oh yeah I've seen this problem and they go oh shit well if two people say it call yeah. the FBI but, yeah. Yeah, and that's the end of the film and so you know we're all going to get hopefully saved but there's enough ambiguity to it to make you be because you never see them get vanquished that maybe 
they managed to kind of fool everyone and still stay yeah. there or something. Like I think that. it's a really fun cameo. I think if they have had him saying something like "They're back, they're back," then it would well, have been more time in. In we were talking about Abel Ferrara's version body snatchers <laughs> earlier. There was an original plan in that to have both him and Donald Sutherland turn <laughs> up and do that cameo again in that power. Just carry on. So just gets that's more and more people each time. Yeah. Just hate everybody's like, I need to pay him four thousand dollars cash. <laughs> to but he won't do it. But that didn't but, happen. But I think that you see that ass. <laughs> <laughs> you just you just can't get that. <laughs> We're just referencing King of King of New York commentary. Um, yeah. <laughs> definitely worth picking up <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, it, every, I'm sure everyone listening is aware of that just, yeah. this guy's getting paid for this yeah <laughs> <laughs> but no you're right that, that scene is really eerie cause yeah, especially really. in this era all now all the people running after him because it's, really it's all happening in broad daylight no one's doing anything it definitely speaks to today's era of like how people just get their phones out rather Mob than helping mentality, anyone. Mob yeah. mentality. Yeah. And then, yeah, they turn the corner, the guy's dead, and everyone's just like... I'm going to put this on my story. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing is we don't... All we see is suddenly he's running off and there's like a hundred people or something chasing him and Don Sutherland just goes, like, I guess he must have done something. And then they come around the corner and he's already fucking dead and there's people just around him going there and you're like oh shit how did that happen did he get hit by a car did they beat him to death the, mo- like, the most frustrating thing is that even at that point it's so obvious that the cops are pod people because they're there at that scene kind of directing people on the amount of times Donald Sutherland's character calls the police in this film it's like every other scene for the bulk of the film it's like I'm going to call the police one oh, second yeah, he's trying to call hey, them he has this entire back and thing, forth he, for yeah. ages it's like guy the cops are in on it work this out <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why they're ignoring my call. Yeah, I've just re- the amount of times he's like, "There's a body in the blah 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 blah." Reporting this, some bodies here. I just saw a man in the street. I'm going to give my witness statement. It's like all done in full. It's like stop calling the police, Sutherland. <laughs> um, that just to go back to that scene with Sutherland smashing in oh, the yeah. head of one of his face. I mean, th- that whole sequence is horrifying as fuck there's yeah. a bit where he starts to go to sleep doesn't it yeah. and then he and the wakes whole... up and there's like a bunch of poppy like growing out in front of him and when the little like, baby ah! version comes out of the plant it's really good practical effects it's yeah, like, yeah. it looks great oh. looks so freaky but yeah he, yeah he grabs like what is it like a fucking like fire a extinguisher or something or a shovel or, or something like, yeah. Yeah, so, and he literally just smashes in the head of all himself. these like, of him. <laughs> well it's a couple of them isn't it yeah, he, no, he just did when he kills him and he's literally he smashes in his own head like a fucking watermelon. I mean, great practical effects. It's there. kind like, of like, well, you know, let's, let's segue to Spielberg. Like the reaction of uh, Hedy Joel Osment to seeing his double. You know, the you don't want to kill. You want to kill the opposite. You know, the, the duplicate of yourself. You in AI. The, yeah, you want to be the only one in but AI. He doesn't smash his head. In like this, <laughs> does he? he does. Does he not? Like a watermelon like this. Well, I mean, it'd be like a robot. Well. I, think, <laughs> I, think he, I think he does actually, because he finds all the screen. models. I think he might. Well, smash no, no, because there's one sitting at a table, and it talks. He talks to it, and then he goes and destroys it. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, and it just and it's like that. It reminded me of that scene you know, where <laughs> you can't live with two of yourself. I mean, the the, the film does successfully build up quite well but after this point it does get a bit chase hide chase hide yeah well the first film's yeah. kind of the growing paranoia and the second half's almost entirely desperate chase movie but it kind of lacks Which... a third act to some degree it kind of the third mm. act is just 
Run! Well, it's kind of the like showdown at the pod factory, isn't it? But that's quite a quite late yeah, in the game. Yeah, I think you kind of just feel like you realise the futility yeah. earlier than this, and that's mm. what kind of things you're like. This is just to fuck you to the pod. That's the oppressive There's, dread. It's like that's you the oppressive can't dread. win. You've got yeah, that's the thing. You've you've already kind of realised after you have that like dun 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 scene where he's running towards the boat, and uh, it's not that music, but it's that kind of bit. It's Amazing Grace, isn't it? It's Amazing Grace. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, and uh, and he realises just like. They, they tuned to the wrong radio station and it's like no we're gonna turn up <laughs> oh that, that's and, and, a repeat and, and, of a, a, a beat in the first film as is well. it okay yeah, yeah. right so but you know from that point onwards and he comes back and uh, uh, you know spoiler alert that uh, Brooke Adams has now been replaced mm-hmm. um, and uh, you, you just from that point onwards you know there doesn't sit that you know that could, should have happened potentially later and then you could still have some stakes for him to kind of like try yeah. and bring the house of the cars down but you do feel like it's like the last you know desperate acts of a, of a dying man almost yeah. well her mm. death scene Elizabeth's death scene is really upsetting the way she just crumples to pieces in his arms and it's yeah. like that's really kind of brave to like because they're kind of like the only two left like Lambert from Alien she kind of survives but they're the two main characters left and just to like you know she's done for and it's like oh just the futility of it all yeah Goldman's a goddamn hero isn't he <laughs> yeah. he, he runs off he, he sacrifices himself for that bit yeah. and she just goes off after him for no reason hmm. <laughs> for, I mean for the plot yeah. I guess it's yeah. definitely got a bleak uh, a bleaker feel than the 1956 version I think in the sense of in that although things are getting very desperate I think there's something about that kind of era of filmmaking where you feel like the the lead guy the, I would say the lead guy is far more of a classical hero than Sutherland because he's a he's a proper doctor he ain't no health inspector <laughs> in the original he's like, a moody you know, fucker yeah you, you think this guy he's, he's gonna get through somehow he's gonna be alright he's a straight shooter and in the end like essentially he does just about win out whereas here it, there's a nihilism that to is what I don't like about this movie and I agree oh, really? with you yeah no that's, I appreciate that but like you know it's because yeah the nihilism are just like they're almost like I would have given up by now because you realise there's no fucking chance and right. you've also not got that like alpha almost hero because he's yeah. just uh, you know he just picks like dog shit out of like you know pasta <laughs> like that's his that's his job yeah. and um it's a quirky choice yeah and i just feel like you know I, there's just no chance i don't think like they give him you know this is a, a product of the mid late 70s you know post post nixon yeah but yeah and it's like you just tie it into american time which is like you know um oh it's too big why bother and it's like well he has that hollow victory of kind of burning down the factory but it's all but that's the thing really. but like but, yeah and i'm saying that by that point mm. you've kind of like go this is just a futile effort Mm. and so there's no chance of getting away um, this film could have really done with him discovering some kind of like way to beat them perhaps you know that that, that something that's effective against the, the virus of the, these pods in a sense but maybe you know they can still keep the nihilism and say he didn't have a chance to implement it but at least give us something to hold on to because there's nothing to hold on to I know. Well, it's the, weird the, the, I kind of like the actions that, of the yeah. third act kind of just spiral out of control they just run yeah. run 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 mm. and eventually he gets yeah. Off, off camera court yeah and it's all just like we want to validate that oh we've got this great ending in mind uh, yeah. you know which is great but it's also you, I don't feel it's earned like you know I don't know I think they play it out just long enough the way we see him you know wandering about the next day and you kind of figure it's still him and then for that for that matter I would love to see that final moment in an audience at the time because you know they, yeah. s- they see Lambert there and she's still fine 
and then the mo- that tracking shot in on him before he does the weird scream. It's a combination of the shot, his face, his scream, her reaction. It's it's well, great. and it's and, a big and, and, and yeah, because yeah, they they tricked us because he got captured and yes turned yeah. not turned. I mean, it's turned, a bit cheap, but, but it, was, it was done off camera to give us a good a good yeah. finish. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know it does get increasingly bizarre and weird and that adds to the kind of bleakness because the world is changing at such a rapid rate in front of Sutherland who ends up being so alone and the the dog man uh, uh, creepy uh, and horrifying well, that's, that's the, as fuck well it's because you mentioned earlier sort of Shaun the Dead they have a very Shaun of the Dead moment where Veronica Hartwright comes back she says look pretend you've got no emotions and so I'm thinking, what? She's asking him to be British. <laughs> uh, to sneak yeah. through the, the pod people. Do the people. zombie walk. Yeah, yeah, the, do the zombie the, walk. Exactly the, like the, that. The, the, but as soon as they see the, the dog with the face, mm. all hell breaks loose. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. that, that sort of Mars Attacks-ish moment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was thinking, like, the, this, there's a really good sequence where, like, he's trying to phone people outside of San Francisco. Uh, so they, I think it looks like it was shot without permission in the centre of San Francisco. Where of all that roaming camera work. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's, like, at dusk. Um, it's a you know kind of like a, a camera that kind of continually moves in on uh, Sutherland in the phone booth and he's ringing and it's not getting anywhere. People are people are redirecting his calls, not taking him seriously. And I think like that's where the film peaked in terms of like could, should have peaked in terms of like our hopelessness, and then followed by some kind of like thread of like where we can get out of this. But it didn't happen. It just continually kind of like ground you down. But where it's just like no chance. But at those all. bits really captured the the eras sort of trust no one feel. Yeah. The yeah. post Nixon era, and that's. I mean, this is this plays into sort of uh, many sort of uh, paranoid thrillers of the of the decade. Yeah. Uh, the parallax view. Or yeah. Parallax. Three days view in the I condor. Of, yeah. This yeah. is this is one of many of the. Oh, don't well, trust anyone films my favourite even like um, well I would say I think Parallax might be my favourite of those but Conversation uh, but I'm going to say Clute because it's Donald Sutherland so oh yeah, yeah. yeah. well you know I really like the uh, kind of hopelessness to it all really because the other option would be to have a, a War of the World style Deus Ex Machina of like oh the germs killed them all and I kind of like seeing one where yeah. it's like whether they're conscious of this plan the aliens I think they are you know it's, they're not just a virus it's like They've, they've got us well done and we can try and uh, and it kind of keeps it standalone really it's nice well it's it's funny you say that because actually I think that the I, mean, uh, I, I do actually like the bleakness of this version just because it's different from the mm-hmm. other version so and I feel they do pull it off successfully um, here helped in great deal I must say by Michael Chapman's cinematography which I think is incredibly inventive and yeah. atmospheric uh, Michael Chapman also um, was the cinematographer for Taxi Driver and Raging Bull he, he uh, shot John Lennon didn't he? <laughs> yeah yeah it's like that was the it was a career killer <laughs> yeah yeah that's, oh that's why he never worked again um, and funny enough also was the DOP for Scrooged directed Ooh. by Richard Donner previous guest on the podcast previous guest and friend Friend personal friend yeah personal mate (laughs) personal mate of the podcast Um, but yeah he's uh, cinematography adds loads to it I think Um, but the um, the difference uh, with the 1956 version the sense of the 1956 version kind of has it cake and eat it because it's this 
sort of happy ending because it's a relief of oh everything's going to be okay but it's only in your own head that everything's going to be okay because mm. yeah. it's actually there is a level of ambiguity to it whereas here it feels again there is a level of ambiguity because actually we've still got someone who is still uh, alive and not been uh, body snatched yet uh, but it just seems bleaker because you know there's the shock of Sutherland at the end and everything like that. but actually there is still hope somewhere because there's someone still alive yeah. they haven't been got yet going well, so you in, know in the next 30 seconds she might run it's a butch and Sundance ending like, she, she can but she's the one who figured out how to like move amongst them so if she can get away from Sutherland I'm no, sure she, she screams can. like that's well, going to attract them well yeah but if yeah. she runs away from that and then gets back into oh, the crowd I mean odds on do you think she <laughs> escaped you. or she didn't <laughs> well I mean probably not <laughs> but yeah that bit with the dog I wrote down like uh, it's like that dog hybrid is the fucking worst but yeah, then Sutherland slapping the granny absolute best oh yeah. <laughs> I, yeah I I actually wrote down Sutherland punches old woman <laughs> I was yeah. like fucking wicked can go next to Hot Fuzz and upcoming Captain Marvel for granny punches yeah it was a bit of a, a like Nick Cage moment <laughs> yes yeah I like that's when you know the shit has hit the fan fuck go, you granny like, yeah. but yeah um, I mean bring it back to Nimoy as well uh, he obviously gets like a big moment where he ends up becoming essentially the seemingly the leader of the pod people doesn't he kind of yeah. Like, yeah he seems to be in charge and kind he, of... he gets a big hugo weaving speech yes mm. yeah he yeah, says yeah. uh what's that i wrote down uh, you'll be born again free of anxiety and fear and 350 million will go to the nhs so he's, <laughs> uh, he, he lays his cards down I'm on sold. the table <laughs> i vote pod people <laughs> uh but it's a great speech and he delivers it really well it's a yeah. really good moment some other great bits of trivia I had uh, which you may have seen as well the night after the movie's release someone put pods like those in the movie all over the streets of Los Angeles some people got so freaked out they thought they were real and called the police <laughs> people are stupid people are <laughs> fools right there isn't it yeah. um, so yeah, I mean, this, as you say, is is one of those films that keeps getting remade again and again. Mm -hmm. Maybe there'll be another version to come. In 1993, there was Body Snatchers, uh, directed by Abel Ferrara, who Paul and I are big fans of Abel, aren't we? Yeah. As we were mentioning earlier, with the uh, well, King of I New York. Like, I like two of his films. <laughs> what, is it? what else has he done that we like, apart from Bad Lieutenant and King of New York? He did Driller Killer, didn't he? That's what I, yeah. I've not seen it though. He did. I haven't seen Driller Killer. Or Miss Forty Five. Uh, it's all our love. Well, of crime. Abel, yeah, based on, based on New two. York and Bad Lieutenant and One Great Country. And, oh, Crime Story and Crime Story Pilot. Yeah, crime Story Pilot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I see, but I want to see more of his films. Yeah, I've seen a few more of his, but like yeah. you saw the Gerard Depardieu. One, yes, you, Welcome yeah. to New York. Um, Was that good? Well, <laughs> you had to see Gerard Depardieu naked for like forty minutes. Like, that sounds fantastic. <laughs> 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 I mean, this is not like you know. Oh, I'm on a plane. There's never been. A, you know, Jean-Paul like you know, trying to think like Man on Day Source kind of era, but no, this is more I'm weeing on a plane in protest <laughs> yeah. era, Jared Depardieu. So I don't know if I want to see. It. Uh, I, I mean, there's but there's loads of his films I'd like to see. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. So there's still lots to explore. And Body Snatches is now one of them. I'd be interested to see his version. Uh, yeah, see the grunge nineties well, take. Yeah, his take on it is it's all on a kind of army base. I think so. It's a bit more of a like you know um, claustrophobic setting, which feels more like. More like the thing 
yeah it feels like well almost like a more like this is the original idea and then we kind of like this evasion of Sanchez remake is like we'll take it citywide and the bigger canvas so he's kind of like yeah it's good because it's a bit like alien 3 take it back to one alien and it kind of you know makes the stakes a bit more kind of yeah. like contained and uh, you know easier to kind of like get involved with i think perhaps so mm. but there might be something in that i, I did think as well. surely star trek has done an episode like this Oh yeah, he's probably done yeah. dozens of variations on that. Well, we've had Spock get seduced by the better side of zombie life in this side of paradise. <laughs> yeah, and that so, does involve evil plants. Yeah, again. evil plants. So you know, there's that. But there's <laughs> definitely been uh, episodes of kind of within Star Trek with duplicates, surely. Duplicate but but then ultimately, it made me think: aren't the Borg just kind of like a metal version of the Pod People? Yes. Yeah. To that's, some degree, yeah, that's they're very just good. You will aliens. Be yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just want people to be part of an efficient mm-hmm. machine. They're- yeah. I was going to say the uh, 1993 remake is written by the writers of Reanimator. Oh wow! Yeah, you're a big yeah, fan yeah, yeah. of that, aren't you? Like, so that might be interesting. Could be fun. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then obviously we get the 2007, uh, the invasion. Daniel Craig and Nicole Kidman. Yeah, uh, and uh, this box office flop. Uh, I, I yeah. believe it was the Waka Waka Chowskis originally, no. wasn't it? Oh, originally? originally, not no, originally. Oh, not I don't know, maybe. Well, you can see there's a lot of the Matrix in this. Like, like mm. I said, um, Nemo's speech is very much like the one Weaving has to uh, change up Morpheus. Yeah, it's very yeah. similar. Mm-hmm. Like, it's um, like humanity are a failed experiment. We're better. We're making yeah. things better. Yeah, I think it was meant to be them, and right. then they dropped out. All I know about that one is that it was critically panned, and no yeah, one oh, fucking talks about it. Hard. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's one of those ones that's been completely forgotten. I mean, I haven't really got any desire to see it. Although, funny enough, again, interesting one with the writer of the screenplay, um, written by the writer of Bigger Splash and the new remake of Suspira. So this oh, is so Luca's like, guy. This is Luca's go-to guy who wrote that script. Ugh. And that's weird starting out point and now years later he's, you know, it's critically acclaimed kind of uh, person. But yeah, director of a Hershkel who did uh, Downfall, um, who outside of this, I mean, he's directed good stuff because I like Downfall and I like the film he did afterwards, Five Minutes of Heaven mm. uh, with Liam Neeson and James Nesbitt, which is a fantastic film. So he's kind of picked himself back I up. It wasn't called Seven Minutes of Heaven. <laughs> well, I think it's one of those cases that is clearly a case of um, a foreign director being snapped up by Hollywood yeah. and just not being to do anything, to do kind of anything with their film. They just want the name, and then they just shit. Them but out it's their the classic way. tourist, isn't it? After um, yeah, yeah. Because well, um, who's the tourist directed by? Oh, but it's the, it's the person who did um, um, Lies of Others. Oh wow, and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he did the tourist, the Johnny Depp thing. Yeah, yeah. but that's always the way. There's so many. Uh, what about uh, to, the guy who directed to? Totsi. Uh that was a massive like hit, and Is then that more Gavin Hood. Uh, Gavin Hood, yeah, and then he directed X Men Origins, Wolverine. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It happens time and time again where you get these great um, directors, usually outside from Hollywood, either from indie or British or you know a foreign cinema, and then they get snapped up by Hollywood just for the marquee like prestige of oh we've got this award winning director, mm. and then just don't allow them to do anything of their own style with the film and the funny thing is of course when they do actually allow them to use their own say it fucking works Christopher Nolan at the end of the day he's one of the few who's managed to retain his style 
in massive big budget Hollywood cinema and and work on expanding it whilst doing the yeah, blockbuster films and it's worked brilliantly like so it, you kind of think why do they not take the chance mm. more often I mean they're just not fans of taking chances I think would be the, the key <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah that's very true um, so have we got anything else to say about this we go I move on some... to our final wrap up oh final wrap up but like you know I'll stop my thoughts if that's okay just you, about, yeah, go. you can go just about like you know the, the what should have been the most effective scene is like when you're when when Don Sutherland and uh, Brooke Adams are told that you know there will be no like love essentially they won't have emotions um, post transformation and he, they turn to each other and they b- both say they love each other you know because this is their one chance to kind of like mm. be honest with each other and it doesn't quite like do its thing it should have been like the most gut wrenching scene like um, you know sometimes like these declarations of love like at the point of like death you know where you know or, or imminent death you know some of the most moving scenes in cinema history like I'll, I'll point to African Queen I think is the you know where they get married like when they're about to be hung mm. uh, it's just like like a real tearjerker for me and yeah. I just feel like you know and bet like if you'd really kind of created an opportunity where there was a chance to get out but it felt like all hope was lost you know that could have been incredible that moment and yet I, f- I think some of the imagination goes out of this film in the last third um, that some of the imagination the cinematography goes because it's a lot of night shoots and I think it's just like there's not yeah. a chance to be it, that creative it does it. fall apart in the last third it's sort of mm. Yeah, that bit yeah. felt a bit like a first draft uh, way out of a problem where they just had Sutherland wander to look at a boat and come back, and in that time she's dead. Mm. But it's like we just need him to leave her for a second. It's like yeah, Woody. I don't know. And it's a shame. Like, and it's just you know the potential in the in the idea is there for this incredible like declaration of love, and but also some way potentially of them retaining that emotion. I think if there was a chance that they had some way of like if even if they were about to die and it's like right at the end, there's some way they could retain some of their personality into the next pod version that would give humanity some hope mm. they, 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 I don't know I want an ending where you see them as a pod person but they but there's have a cheeky wink like, yeah there's something <laughs> you know where you know a bit like in Star Trek Nemesis they there's, walk there's, off together you know, holding Trek, hands there are Star Trek podcasts after all but where you see the, um, the duplicate of Data yeah start sort of singing something that the original data mm. like uh, had sung earlier in the film before he died <laughs> you um you gotta go well there there might be something in there i love how you're calling out the worst star trek film as being like they should take like, well i'm not saying this, i'm just saying that they, there's, there's precedent in cinema history for this kind of like uh, foreshadowing <laughs> so it, that's your final thoughts what would your letterbox rain we always like to we are all members of an amazing film website called letterbox uh, where we rate Sponsor films us. on it and we like to uh, re- use our letterbox rating on here as well you can do half stars what is your letterbox rating three and a half and half are you sticking with that because this is interesting because usually what we tend to do with this dear listeners is we agree <laughs> being to each other kid. that we're not going to rate it on letterbox before we discuss it on here so it's a surprise for us all paul broke the rules this time <laughs> it, despite the fact dear listeners that uh literally it was paul who imposed this rule <laughs> on all of us do do as i say not what i do <laughs> and but and you rate it three and a half stars but to be honest you talk about the film now doesn't sound like a three and a half stars. No, because I though. still think it's it's a solid film. I just feel like there's you've got identifiable flaws. Right, identifiable right, flaws, right, right, and right. you okay. know, and that's the thing. I was like, why is this not a four? And it should be because right. the, the the team, the talent involved, and you know they've done such a great job of building it up. And then I'm just there's just something lacking in that la- in all the night shoots that like t- towards the last mm. part of the film. Why do why do I not feel so fa- I don't feel satisfied by this film, and that's okay. I'm trying to find out why. 
and it is and it, i think it's just talking to you chaps today actually it started me looking at it because it was it was still a mystery to me before i got here but now i feel like I i'd say it. definitely give the 1956 version a watch i think you'd probably enjoy it sounds it. like the way you're describing it much more like a, a cohesive a, you know a full piece where you know you mm. have that i think you'd enjoy it matt final thoughts yeah no i really love it see i've got it rated as a 4.5 on Letterboxd. Yeah. Because I do really like it. That's, I, that's I, a near perfect score. I know. It's knocked down a bit and it's not that I don't disagree with a lot of the stuff that's come up but I think it, it overrides a lot of it f- through sheer tone, like consistency of like the, the, the rising dread and paranoia, the performances and just kind of its iconography as well. Um, I just think it's a really good aliens taken over and there's fuck all you can do about story and there's not always enough of those and maybe that's a nihilist of me but I like seeing it and I think it is an epitome of 70s cinema, sci-fi cinema, horror cinema, so much all at once. You may be interested in purchasing the Arrow Blu-ray edition. I know, yeah. Featuring Ben Wheatley on one of the featurettes, chatting about it. Just chatting about it. Yeah, 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 with Kim Newman. Um, As for me, I... Actually, you know what? I'm going to pass over to our guest first. (laughs) Sure. Chris, to give his final thoughts, and then we'll come back to me. Go ahead. One one of the things I did think, you know um, Elizabeth's husband, who's the shady guy? Well, not shady, he's a pod person. Jeremy, I think it's Shady goddamn pod person. Uh, I've been watching watching a lot of Peep Show recently, so I started imagining... (laughs) The, car, the film recast by Peep Show characters. <laughs> <laughs> so I had uh, Mark as Sutherland, <laughs> Sophie as Liz, and obviously Jeff as Jeff. <laughs> uh, I like this version. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like I like it. Maybe Jeremy is uh, Goldblum. Yeah. Oh, Dob- yeah. yeah. Dobby I, can yeah, play Veronica Rart, right? Goldblum, yeah. yeah. Um, sorry, I was looking for my notes, trying to see what I hadn't covered. Uh, one bit I had a shout out to Dr. Melfi, you can see there. Oh, very It's, it's nice got no relevance one. now, but uh, I've just highlighted uh, uh, it. I yeah. always approve of any reference to The Sopranos, so it's fine. But you, since you're rating the film, like, I think it's an enjoyable, pulpy film, but there's nothing, not that much to it, really, if I'm honest. There's, it's, it doesn't come together, like you said. There's mm-hmm. potential, except it squanders the potential in the third act. And so while it's built up some intrigue in me, it kind of goes nowhere. And I'm quite a tough, tough critic, yeah. so I'm going to give it two and a half. Two, two and, a half. and a half. Well, like I, listen, I listen to a lot of podcasts, a lot of film podcasts. A lot of people tend to give seven as like an average film score. Right. You go, well, that's mathematically incorrect. Yes, yeah, not seven average, is not it? average yeah, yeah. at all. Seven is yeah. above not, average. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> whereas, whereas, uh, two and a half. It sounds harsh, but I'm saying that's. Are you saying two and a half out of ten or five? I was it out of ten. No, it's out of five. Out of five. Yeah, they're, 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 we're correct. Two out and a half, half out of okay. five. So I'm two saying and it's half out of five. I was about to say, yeah. Jesus Christ! I'm, I'm saying it's sort of average, it, maybe just a bit higher, but it's 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 an average two score and a half overall because it has yeah. pluses, but then it sort of drops yeah. the ball. Uh, okay. But I enjoyed watching it again. Um, Who's, who, yeah. See, I like to read the ineffectiveness of the climactic action as man's ineffectiveness against the invasion. They can try what they want, but they're <laughs> fucked. So, <laughs> so very good analysis, man. Um, right for me, uh, I, I, yeah, I really like it. Um, I think it's about on par with the 1956 version. I just think that it offers different things. Um, to that version I think they complement each other quite nicely because uh, although they, it, the story is very similar actually in many ways um, it, it's kind of stylistically uh, completely different and I think the cinematography and the score mm-hmm. add a huge amount 
uh, to the film, I think, and also the effects as well. I think all of those are really kind of stellar and add tons of atmosphere um, to the movie overall. I quite like that this version's kind of bleaker and the shock ending definitely works. It definitely is a shock um, and it really hits home hard, especially as Sutherland is kind of, you know, he he's a quirkier, weirder kind of hero than you used to. So seeing him at the end, like with that face is just like, oh my God, shit. And this does go some really, really dark places, the dog man and everything like that. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think it's another... Uh, valid version of that story and I think that's probably why although I wouldn't necessarily agree that it's one of the best remakes of all time I think I can see why people say that because you know there's every mm. reason for this to exist alongside it's a remake that recontextualise it for the time which yeah. is what remakes should do exactly so I'd go with three and a half stars as well three and a half stars so the average go. must be about three-ish. Yeah, three, yeah, yeah, yeah. So three and a half. It's somewhere in that bracket. Well, yeah. well, I like that we've been like it's a grand spectrum. Yeah, here, like two and a half with Chris, three and a half with me, um, Paul, and four and a half with you, Matt. Like, yeah, it's we, we're across the board on this movie. Uh, Do we have uh, what's everyone's favourite remake? Offhand. Mm. Oh shit! Like, um, could be the fly. Could be the thing. Oh, the, the fly is yeah. yeah. So fly's a good one. Yeah. But, um, I mean, the thing is, I haven't seen the originals of either of those. Well, I'm but, the same. Yeah, that's that's true. That's so Thomas on their own. affair. <laughs> yeah. Can we? That's the thing. Like, can you really say it's a great remake if you've not seen the original? Oh, fistful of dollars. Yes. Fucking amazing. Um, well, what about Jurassic Park as a remake of Westworld? <laughs> well, I mean, the same right Really, that's just Michael Quarren recycling his it's own Same conceit, same writer. Uh, will we see an HBO retelling of Jurassic Park? Ooh, that'd be fucking oh my god. I would pay cash money. Really? Oh, yeah. You'd be if in. it was done well. At this point, yeah. I'd rather do I that than do Jurassic World I 3. Just, yeah, I could see that be done as an amazing show, actually. Like, well, I mean, if it really veers close to the novel, there is, like material in there that hasn't been yeah, used we got especially the done with like, HBO yeah. quality we got team, the dragons right? in Game of Thrones they can do dinosaurs on TV now. yeah and, they, and they'll do the bloodletting which wasn't on the, yeah. on the first one so it'll, be, it'll offer something different for sure Fandy um, Newton as a dinosaur <laughs> <laughs> um, right now so. she got killed off in the, the train robbery for, for no reason no oh, sorry <laughs> it was a solo Oh, oh God! I, 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 I exactly, thought, exactly. I thought, you, yeah. I thought you just dropped a that was a movie. spoiler for Westworld, the TV show, yeah. which I haven't seen. I was just like, like oh shit! Oh like, boy! No, I haven't oh, seen good. the second series of Westworld. Oh, actually. okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> um, yes, so that's been another episode of Spotlight. Spotlight of the movies specifically for this time round. Um, we'll be back with another episode very soon. Um, what form that will take? Oh. Who knows? I actually look. Um, Chris, you had some really uh, before we before we wrap up. This you had a really good feature on your um, podcast, which is about like what you would recommend oh, yeah. if you enjoyed this. And I feel like it would be worth like just oh, going a companion around. film. Companion okay, film. yeah. Should we just do all the features? I've got no fucking idea who to recast with apart from Nick, Daniel Craig and Nicole Kidman. Oh, especially as <laughs> it has been recast four fucking times. Yeah. In so really, just a companion piece like okay. one. I think. What would you? All right, go on. Um, Maybe an episode of the Twilight Zone, going back to our old favourites, because it does feel like one of those, and there are quite a few that skew this line of, like, general population having paranoia, supernatural forces. There's a good few in there. The, uh, the Monsters on Maple Street, I think, is a big one. Um, 
and some of the spacey alien ones in there as well. The Kevin Spacey, what, K-Pax? <laughs> yeah, K-Pax. Uh, but film-wise, I don't know, it would have to either be the, the thing or the fly for me. The, the, the fly for the Goldblum factor and the sci-fi remake factor and the thing for similar sci-fi remake. But um, other than the later remakes of this film itself, yeah, I don't know, what do you think? I'm going to say, uh, this is why I wanted to bring this up because I was okay. thinking like, Get Out. Get Out? Yes. Oh, yes. yeah, yeah. Good pick. And yeah. and its inspiration, Stepford Wise, which Liam mentioned earlier, because mm-hmm. I think those two of like, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, amazing, like, you know, building of, uh, you know, pe- things n- about people not quite right and not working mm-hmm. out what is wrong with them. And I think that's, that paranoia, you know, is, is terrific. And I think Stepford Wise does amazingly with the lead in that, you know, where, where, you know, you feel like I'm going crazy or something like that. Yeah. We talked earlier off, off air about, films that we like that everyone else hates one of mine the Stepford Wives remake 2004 what the Kidman Frank Oswald I like that Ah, and everyone fucking hates it. So. Seriously, yeah. you weirdo. Well, I mean, I, but I, Frank, so I, like, I like a lot of. Why do you like films. it? Sell us on Step Wise remake. I think it's just like kind of funny, and Frank Oz because he does some good stuff now and then. And is Yoda in it? He's my most watched actor of 2018. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, granted, it has been a while since I've seen it, but I remember seeing it without any baggage because it was, you know, back when, sort of when it came out. I think got it from Blockbuster or something. And just really enjoying the whole thing. I haven't seen the original, so there's that. But that's probably one that I can wow. realistically say at this point in time, without having rewatched it in ten years, I like that film. I'm gonna watch it. <laughs> Interesting. Like, yeah. It's, it's, oh, the original, it's yeah. funny. It's good stuff. Yeah, Broderick's um, really funny in it. Yeah, my recommendation would be Invasion of the Body Searchers, 1956. <laughs> as simple as that. I think it, I genuinely think there's an interesting duality to the films in terms of very different versions of an extremely similar story. Because it's not like they um, do anything massively different with the story at all. The uh, the characters and story beats, right down to some very small little moments like the, the, the thinking the song is something else and the, the bit, there's a big bit where they uh, run up a massive flight of stairs in uh, this and that's taken from the original film and that feels like a really small little thing like at one point they run up a massive flight of stairs <laughs> like let's do that again in that this iconic we've got to make sure that fits in there I mean it is great in the yeah. first film but yeah I, I genuinely think it's worth watching as well so Chris uh, I go back to the faculty that I mentioned earlier yes. yeah because yeah. I mean I was born in the early 80s so mid 90s films were my, you know, my bread and butter mm. and it's an enjoyable take on the same idea you've got uh, Robert Rodriguez giving fun direction he was mm. you know a big director at the time sort of creating enjoyable films and you have a Kevin Williamson sort of knowing smart ironic take on this film in his script I think it was Williamson it is yes, Williamson it is, yeah. yeah he's absolute hater yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, it was his uh, screen version of this was, yeah great know. ensemble cast as well yeah it's got a T-1000 T-1000 uh, Salma Hayek Famic Janssen Elijah Wood yeah Frodo um, Famic Janssen mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah Clear Duvall sexy Famic um, uh, Robert Patrick oh yeah you always say T-1000 uh, what's his name Daily Show John Stewart Oh yeah, he's a teacher. He's the science teacher. Yeah, has got a really, uh, really good cast. And yeah, it's a. Fu- I've rewatched it recently. It is a fun film. Yeah, definitely. I just remember. Who do you think you are, Sigourney Weaver? 
<laughs> I think was one of the lines. Which, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, oh, well, a fun I'll take on the it, same yeah, yeah. kind of idea. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's a love letter to this. Very much so. Yeah, that, this and I suppose the thing as well. Yeah, isn't it? yeah, very much so. Which well, again, I think it's good to do this real round because if you felt sport to fuck by the by our discussion of this film, then you can watch something else that like you don't know what. <laughs> we have a quite sport yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although I think I did spoil the ending of the night <laughs> as well. Did. So there you go. Um, but yeah, no, it's been great to have you here, Chris. I yeah. think uh, you'll be the first guest we've ever had for the spotlight of the movie section well, I feel of the honored. podcast. Um, I've been to an yeah, we've been, been going solo. Yeah, it's just been us. But yeah, it's been great to have you. Um, please tell our listeners where they can find your podcast or podcasts. So the podcast is called Easy Riders Raging Podcasts. So we're just focusing on 70s films at the moment. You can find us on your usual podcast places, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, I, what was it, Heart Radio, I don't know, all these kind of places <laughs> that I've seen listed on the, the, the feed. Um, and we're on Twitter at ERR Podcast. Excellent. Um, yeah, lo- lots of good, lots of films to come, lots of fun conversations to have. Um, yeah, are you planning to go on to more decades afterwards, or yes, I've got I've got a master plan. Okay, I'm a bit of a megalomaniac. Down um, and dirty podcasts in the nineties. Well, maybe. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a big fan of nineties films. <laughs> so um, yeah, there's fifty episodes. Miramax. <laughs> oh it, man. Yeah, oh, yeah there's there's fifty episodes just on sixties films. And there's a, a point of record. I think there's about 65 episodes just on 70s films. Wow. And I think when we reach around the 100 mark, it might be time for a change of decade. Mm. So more fun stuff to come. Yeah, yeah we're, we're heading into a busy early year after a bit of a slowdown after Christmas. Because, yeah, around the time that this is coming out, we should also have our crossover with Easy Riders Raging Podcast around the same time. And I'm guest starring on an episode of the Bygones Podcast as well, which should also come out around mid to late Feb. So we're spreading ourselves yeah, like a virus. That would be the Bygones Ali McBeal Podcast. Yes, they uh, two sisters break down the show Ali McBeal uh, episode by episode and see how problematic it has become in 20 years. <laughs> And this was the season two premiere, so they're just starting again. And I watched my first ever episode of Ali McBeal and then tried to talk about it. I think yeah. I need to give it a listen because I did used to watch Ali McBeal when it was a, a new show on. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you should definitely give it a listen. It, yeah, no, it I really works. I'm that, I'm that old, yes. It really works as a recapping. Like, if you've seen it, but not yeah. for years, they go through it in. No, I remember all depth. the toilets and the baby and yeah. the um, Vonda Shepherd and Shepherd. Uh, the woman who was also. Oh, no, she was, she was transgendered. But she was also on the West Wing, wasn't she? Yes. Oh, you're talking about Wilson, Wilson Cruz's Cruise. character. I'm going to say yes. I don't remember. Wilson Cruz, who's now in Star Trek Discovery, plays a transgender character in uh, the first Bill. season. Yeah, the first season. I yeah. thought you could say she played a transgender person also in Star Trek. I was like, wow, that's what. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. Yeah. In Star Trek, there's been none of that going on in Star Trek. You know, but they've only just got to their first gay couple, probably. <laughs> yeah. You know, no. like, Slow down. One step at a time. Uh, but maybe in... It's only the maybe 24th season... century, mate. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe in season two. Who's to say? Maybe they can have unisex toilets on the Enterprise, on, the, on Discovery. You'd yeah. imagine they would. They're pretty progressive in yeah. track, aren't they? They're... Yeah, well, one would hope. I don't know. Like, You can go back and listen to some of our episodes of the original series to hear the slightly less progressive views <laughs> of some of the men on the bridge. Yeah, it's, it's, uh... it's, for a show that like is progressive in a lot of aspects, they've been very slow in other areas. Areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we kind of do talk about that at various points. We kind of go, well, still haven't done this. And, and Discovery is trying to make up for lost time. And it's weird that it's on its sixth or something iteration of a show 
and this is the first time we're still breaking new ground so you know it's kind of having to play catch up a bit well it's in a similar way that you're doing this when you're looking back at the old tv shows or the old films or they're doing on the ali mcbill show mm. or that i do on my podcast we're all looking back with a kind of contemporary view mm. of periods yeah, uh, yeah. and i think it's like people have a bit of a fear of like going back in the past and looking at old films because they feel like well, it ruined something you loved not really that no 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 for example if you didn't know anything about these and all you hear about is them being fucking you know sex fiends and like uh you know rapists you kind of feel like you might extrapolate that all kind of things you would just not look at old art and yeah, yeah. Like, it's and just like, it, it is a product watch. of its time yeah yes, but, but you, yeah, there's yeah, a lot yeah. of some of these films that like you know oh, such good films yet there are things in there yes you are going to take a, 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 an objection to but you shouldn't let that stop you no. exploring sure, and finding certainly. out all those great things there's you know there's so much to discover which you know if we put it put the right context on it you could have still enjoy it never today. just bury history yes because well, right, well, because yes. politics you know um, th- these things are constantly changing mm. and so you can't comp- keep writing off everything that isn't exactly. made within the last couple of years because <clears throat> everything dates and especially today it seems attitudes change at a quicker pace yeah. with everyone's yeah. being connected online and, that's, and, and you accept that's I, I, I'm, also, I'm for that I'm for I, progressiveness but that's mm. You, doesn't mean I throw out all my old DVDs because no. they they aren't progressive. Yeah, I was wondering one thing. Yeah, um, interesting kind of like thinking like how I you know perceive myself as like a progressive person and kind of thing. I was like, what will come in the future which will, I will feel conservative about and like can't understand? This is scary. Oh, yeah, you don't want to become yeah. the man yet. Yeah, no, man. just like but like, is there ever going to be something where I just go, oh no, that's that's, that's a bit too far. For and me. the kids we're, we're are like, like, fuck you, man. This is what we do now. Yeah, I know. I just gonna, <laughs> cyborgism being a being a Borg. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Or will I, you be assimilated? Pod person. Yeah, no, Always no, side no, with the kids. Not for me. No. Back in my Stay day, young, you have but, pod but people. But it is true. I mean, you've got to contextualise. I mean, I think there are limits. There's a difference between birth of the fucking nation yeah. which is a horrendous racist piece of shit that but, the, but there's some out. great filmmaking in there but which it, is the, the, the dilemma there is there, more, it was a yeah, yeah. groundbreaking piece of the difference filmmaking is doing bad stuff when you're aware of the bad stuff yeah this is the issue in the sense of that is a film that is absolutely irredeemable in every way shape or form and I just mean apart from the filmmaking yeah yeah but the problem for yeah, me yeah, always very is, problematic. it is held up and still included on the national curriculum as a film that young filmmakers should watch because of the filmmaking however there are lots of other films made around that time which did the same revolutionary things at the same time where it's like well they're perfectly good examples of this why does this need to be held up and there's a difference between that and something like Safety Last which I watched the other day Harold Lloyd uh, film very famous for the iconic clock tower sequence um, which has some moments of really quite nasty anti-Semitism and a moment of not very nice animal cruelty as well where it's like yeah of course watching it now you go like, oh god but the moments are small enough Sold. that it's like you know oh you can kind of brush past them they're not integral within the film and it is a case of that is a case of changing attitudes whereas the uh, Birth of Nation like which is basically the Ku Klux Klan as the heroes of the film everything like that is like you're like no like even then that was a thing of like the entire film everything in its the core of its being mm. is about the kind of bad horrendous uh oppressive thing and i just i cannot run to the stand. core throw away the apple when they showed, yes. it, yes. when they showed it. it at our uni i walked out midway through it yeah yeah, yeah. what well, no partly because i was bored 
<laughs> when it was Actually, shown, hundred percent because I was bored. <laughs> you were like, I'm, I'm not. Off- I just want to make clear, I'm not offended. I'm all for <laughs> these clan guys, but the film shit. <laughs> I'm late for my cross-burning rally. <laughs> <laughs> well, funny enough, this is exactly what I mean. Like when it was shown in uni, because yeah. we all obviously have film courses, everything like that. The lecturer who had to show it because it was part of the curriculum. It was on required viewing on there was black and he at the beginning just simply told us this is a racist repugnant piece of shit I won't be watching it with you but due to the national like it has to be shown uh, I'll put it on and walk out like, and he did Like, and fair play to him because I'm like can't imagine how horrible that must have to be mm. to like you know, have to go show that and go I'll oh, pass this on to the kids yeah it's just mm. oh. he sees them all walking out go oh, great messages and that he's like no <laughs> Yeah, they're just like, oh, mate, you missed out. That's amazing. <laughs> but it's not a short film from my memory. No, it's not. Which, it's which not, I think was my real problem with it. Well, we made ethically huge problems with it, let's be clear. <laughs> Look, we want to make it clear. The main problem with Birth of Nation yeah. is it's a shitty film. Not any of the races. <laughs> That's all A-OK. And on that note, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Spotlight Pod. Uh, you're listening to the podcast right now, so you must know where to find it. But if you agree with our views on Birthday, <laughs> then please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That would be great. Or just past a recommendation of the podcast onto your friends. If you know you've got a friend who's into Star Trek, but they don't want to hear a bunch of fucking nerds <laughs> chat about Star Trek, and they want to hear something a bit different, then definitely don't We're recommend them. We're just not podcast. nerdy enough for you. Uh, you. You're the best Star Trek podcast I've ever listened to. Oh, wow, look you, at that! You've only listened to one, right? Yeah, but yeah. still, still yeah. counts. I'm, I'm putting the gun down. I've got pointed at him. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, seriously recommend the podcast um, to your friends I, I think we do do something a bit different from the other million and a half yeah. Star Trek podcast and it's a new year online, new you so. get on a new show we're yeah, kicking off exactly that's what look the kind of resolutions you should be making <laughs> this Chewbacca's time is to subscribe to more podcasts <laughs> you know saving the world from global warming we Brexit said, that can wait this is like a free New Year's resolution it costs nothing to press subscribe yeah that's very true and we, we haven't even got a fucking patron or anything like that like, we ask you for nothing it's, it's all free just subscribe review us follow us on all social media actually this is taking up quite a lot of time (laughs) don't worry about it we enjoy the show yeah (laughs) well this has been a a wonderful time thank you very much Chris for for coming really enjoyed thank uh, you for being here well thank you for for hosting uh, hosting uh, us in your wonderful studio and um, yeah we'll hopefully have you back sometime you know until... I'd, I'd come back and talk I'll talk Trek I'll talk an episode of you know I'll watch whatever I'll, I'll do it I'll talk Trek <laughs> <laughs> no I, I'm happy to talk about I'm happy to, to go boldly where bold people have gone before <laughs> <laughs> well yeah. that's all from me Liam Dempsey and me Paul Wilson and me Matt Brothers and our guest, Chris Johnson, signing off. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Excellent. 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 Excellent.